Some of this history makes for uncomfortable listening. What you're about to listen to comes from a different time and world. In the words of the late Ngāti Toa Aura, Uncle Iwi Nikusen, Nā, ko te ao Māori tērā, tā rātou mahi he patu tangata, kai tangata, muru taonga, muru whenua, ko te ao Māori tēnā, me o Ngātikanga. Well, that's the traditional Māori world. What they did was kill people, eat people, forcibly take possessions and land, even though it's unpleasant. That's the traditional Māori world and its customs. In the previous episode of Te Rauparaha Kei a seed is planted e raha, tō kāinga, tangohia ki a tata koe ki te pākeha. Groundwork is laid. He made some friendly alliances here. And Ngāti Toa forced to leave behind everything they've ever known. And at that point our tenure in Kafia probably was untenable. Ko Ross Kalman tōku ingoa, and this is Te Rauparaha Kei a podcast about the life of Te Rauparaha based on the manuscript written by his son, Tamihana. This is episode two, Ngā Heke. It's nearing midday when Ngāti Toa leave their pā. Tamihana says there are 140 warriors and about 200 elderly women and children. They leave Kafia behind, following the paths along the coast. They do not allow themselves to weep. I, I really can't imagine the emotion of it. Komachu Baker Tine. How difficult it must have been to tear themselves away from their ukaipo, where they'd been born and raised, but also their parents before them, and their parents before them, and their parents before them, going back several hundred years. Yeah. I can only imagine that the fear of death and being disassembled as an iwi, which is kind of what they were looking at, um, was greater than the fear of staying close to that which they loved. Yeah, just a hugely traumatic experience, which is, you know, somewhat characterised in their, their way at the tangi for kafia when they left when they famously sang their farewell. Do you know that way too? Yeah, but I'm not going to sing it today. (laughs) Nice try.
Katai ki runga o moi ato ki te puke. Ka titero mai ki kāwhia e takoto mai rā. I love this section of the manuscript. Tamihana is so poetic about leaving kāwhia. Katahia no ka puta mai te aroha o te kāinga o kāwhia. Katahi ka tangi a ngāti tō, rātou ko tō rātou kaumātua, ko te rauparaha, me te tai e nguruana. When they got to the top of the hill, the people of Ngāti Tō and their elder, Taroparaha, wept. Their grief was like the sighing sea. But, although the people were grieving, there were practical details to work out. Tō left so quickly, they had to figure out where they went to. Who did they trust? Or they come from behind and... You know, will they follow us and try and annihilate us? Do we go that way? Do we go this way? Oh, got into a huff of this lot. So which way do we go? Waikato, inland or on the coast? So all of those things that had to sort of bring that, that leadership team together and say, hey, this is what we're faced with. We had a couple of options. Te Raupraha did not want to go through Taranaki. Call Machu Baker Ano. So he wanted to go through the Waikato, Te Raukawa. Um, but the Pihi, his whakapapa and his primary relationships were with Te Atiawa Ngāti Mutunga, and he wanted to go through Taranaki and on this occasion he won out so he said to the people Mihaere Tate Matamaunga Hokara which was Taranaki and that's the way we came The heke was made in two stages you have to think about the practicalities of marching 300-odd people down the motu. There's babies and food to carry, kuia and karaua who can't walk very fast. You have to hunt and gather food along the way. And when the weather's bad, you need to find or build shelter. It's slow going. The first leg is down the coast to Taranaki. They move on down through Maniapurtu, it was still hostile. And it was there, just on the edge of the, the Tainui boundary, at a place called uh, Te Kakakura. Raha realised that there was a force following. They haven't been able to move down the coast undetected. An enemy Ngāti Maniapoto war party is following them. The elderly people say to the rest of their people, we'll hold you up. And they knew that they were going to be a hindrance. They knew that they were going to slow the party up. So the old people sacrificed their lives so that we can move a bit quicker from them pursuing Waikato tribe behind us. Bury us here at Te Kaukaukura, face us out to the ocean, put a waka over the top of them and buried them alive. And so at Te Kaukaukura, that's where they made the ultimate sacrifice. of our manuscript, Tamihana, was actually on this heke inside his mother Tiako's womb. Remember, Tiako used to be married to Te Rauparaha's uncle Hape, but married Te Rauparaha after Hape died. Tiako is heavily pregnant with Tamihana, and not too far into the journey it becomes too hard for her. She's left at Marokopa, about 50 kilometres down the coast from Kafia, with a few other wahine to attend to her. But Tamihana says that Te Rauparaha misses his wife, 
and goes back with a few warriors, telling the others they'll catch up. They collect Tiako and the other wahine, and then they head south together, a small group of seven men and seven women, highly vulnerable to attack. And this is where the enemies catch up to them. It's also where this first part of the heke gets its name to heke tahu tahu ahi, a firelighting migration, from the famous incident that takes place here. Taropiraha and his band of travellers are in trouble. There aren't many of them, and half of their number are women. One of them is very pregnant. They can't cross the Morko River to get away, Tamihana says it was swollen with the tide. They stop to make a raft while it's still light, but before they can do anything else, the Ngāti Maniapoto war party arrives. This is one of the stories where we see Taropiraha's famous ingenuity at work. In an effort to trick Maniapoto into thinking there are more of them, he dresses the women in the party as warriors. Dressed all the women up in warrior regalia, painted them with the orca. They put on dogskin cloaks, puff out their chests, strut like warriors and engage in some pre-battle shit talk. Ka noho rā te toko warura, me tāne nā no te tūtō me te mataora, me te kamakama o te waha ki te kōrero o te tō. Tamihana says te rauparaha, his eldest son, Tarangi Hongariri, and his son-in-law, Tāngāhoi, killed ten of the Manipoto group. The rest flee when they see the fearsome female war party running towards them. That night, Raha lights twelve cooking fires near the mouth of the Morko River. He stations one or two people at each fire, and goes from fire to fire as if he's motivating his large army for the coming battle, saying, Fight well tomorrow, my whanau. And the Māori didn't war at night, didn't battle at night. Māori were very reluctant to fight at night, but they would post sentries and send out scouts. But they sort of had a sneak over the hill. Holy hell, where did all those numbers come from? Holy crap. And that was enough to deter them. By lighting those fires up and down the banks of the Morko and dressing up the wahine as warriors, he makes the enemy think that Ngāti Tor reinforcements have arrived. And that's where the pursuing tribes sort of got fooled into the, the numbers that had automatically swelled overnight. It's these sorts of tricks that really do earn Taropiraha his nickname of Maui Pōtiki. There's another thing that happens here at the Morko River which we need to touch on. One of the babies with the party is restless during the night and constantly crying. This child belongs to Tāngāhoi, Taropiraha's son-in-law. And Raha orders it to be killed. It's such an extreme measure. It's difficult to comprehend now. He makes a statement, in essence, that the child will live in me. You know, the child will breathe and live in me. So it was done. Because if the enemy heard the pepe, they'd know there were women and children there. They might work out that the fighting force wasn't as big as it seemed and kill all of them. Mm. 
best of one fall, then the you know, nation disappear. So, you know, these are big calls. Heavy calls. And then, as they're crossing the river, Tommy Hunter writes that Tarangi Hayata and Tepikinga's young son falls off the raft and drowns. The heke has made it out of Waikato and into Taranaki. Although they're now in friendly territory, there are more trials to come. And so we stayed with Tepehi and Tarangi Hiro and Tehiko's extended families within Ngati Mutunga and Te Atiawa. Made a stand there against, with them against Waikato who pursued us again. While they're staying in Taranaki, there's a big clash with the combined Maniapoto Waikato war party at Tamotunui. Ngati Toa and their Taranaki allies are victorious. Taraupiraha graciously allows the Waikato leader to fiddle fiddle to beat a retreat with his remaining men. To fiddle fiddle later becomes the first Māori king, by the way. And something else important happens at the time of Tamotunui. Tamihana is born. The writer of our manuscript only gives two short sentences about his own birth. He oi, ko toku whānau tanga tēnei, ko puku aru he te ingoa o te kāinga i whānau aio, he pā no te pūoho. On the back of the victory at Motunui, Taraupiraha leaves most of his people in northern Taranaki, making one last attempt to convince some allies from back home to come with him. He travels to Maungatotari to try to persuade Ngāti Raukawa, his mother's people, to migrate south. But because of his relatively lowly whakapapa, Te Rauparaha is not taken seriously by the Ngāti Raukawa chiefs. And who are you <laughs> to make such a decision? Do you even raise it? Te Rauparaha heads back to Taranaki and Ngāti Toa wait out the winter there. When spring comes, they set off again with 600 Ngāti Tama and Te Atiawa warriors. Running the gauntlet, effectively. There was the constant threat of being pursued by our enemies and being attacked and never quite knowing when or where. This second part of the journey is known as Te Heke Ta Taraamoa, which translates as the Bramble Bush migration. It's a metaphor for all the hostile iwi that stood between them and Kapiti. Taraupiraha tells his people to travel in peace as much as possible. Don't kill in retribution, he says. Don't steal food. Don't insult people on our way through. Kaore hoki te heke e puka noa ki te tahai ngā kai. Haere marire te heke. Mind your manners. Ka mate i te hiakai, ka kere anō i te aruhe mā rātou, ka kuhi karaka, ka tukipaua, hei kinake mō ngā aruhe. When they're hungry, they stop to dig fern root, tenderise pāua and gather karaka berries which, by the way, is super toxic unless you process them in the right way. But the heke doesn't remain peaceful for long. Just north of Whanganui, Te Rauparaha sends some messengers to Waitotara to arrange peaceful passage through Ngā Rauru territory and to ask for waka. But the messengers are all killed. Ngāti Toa retaliate. They send an upe and take two Ngā Rauru pā and kill some of their chiefs. And in Te Ao Māori, word gets around. This incident gets back to some of the iwi south of Waitotara. I think it was an underlying feeling between the Kurahopo 
people down here and of Tōhit here, then they would have an overlaying sort of type of influence over us. Yeah, they heard of the battles on the way down that we had, Waitotara, all around there, the Whanganui. This is Taku Parai again. And by the time we had arrived, I think the mood had changed a wee bit, it shifted. I think there was a whole overlay of hesitancy of, of uh, can we trust these guys? You know, they aren't of our waka. Taropara had laid the groundwork for a return to this area earlier, but would it be enough? Ngāsi Tō get to Rangi Tike, the home of Tepikinga, wife of Tarangi Hayata. Remember that this was the marriage that binds the two iwi and paves the way for Ngāsi Tō to occupy lands in the area. Ngāsi Upper welcome her and Ngāsi Tō. You know, it was all an exciting sort of reunion. You just imagine, you go out to meet an arriving upe, you haridu, embrace, welcome, waiata, haka, you know, oh, hokimai, hokimai ngāti tō, haramai, haramai ki te noho ki roto ki amata, oh, paiake ki te atu ki akote, all that sort of stuff. For now, they're out of danger, and they can rest easy for a bit. Here we've arrived, we had no inclination that the mood had changed. Ngāti Tōa and their Taranaki allies stay with Ngāti Upper for several months over summer 1822-23. They're allocated fishing grounds and a cultivation area. Until Taropiraha decides it's time to move further south. He wants to establish himself somewhere that European ships will call in, somewhere like Kapiti Island. But in order to get there, he has to travel through Kurahopo territory. And the Kurahopo iwi are divided. Some, Ngāti Apa, want to give Ngāti Tōra a chance. Others, such as Muopoko, see them as a threat. There was a change of heart, change of mind. Tarangi Hayata is made aware of a plot that threatens Te Rauparaha's life. Kia mōhio a Te Rauparaha, kua takoto te kōhuru mōna. Let Taropiraha know there is a plot to kill him. They plan to lure him with waka. If he makes it through these parts, he might be killed in Manawatu. If he makes it through Manawatu, he might be killed at Oho by Muopoko. Muopoko had territory across the Horofenua and interests in Kapiti Island. Nowadays, their principal rohi is around Levin. There are a couple of reasons Muopoko might have wanted to take out Te Rauparaha. As Taku said before, Ngāti Tō is seen by some as a new threat in the region. But the reason Muopoko give is more personal. Earlier on, a group of Ngāti Tō, including a couple of Te Rauparaha's half-brothers, had travelled up the Manawatu River. On this trip, one of their canoes was stolen and they end up killing a chiefly Muopoko woman named Waimai in retribution. The Muopoko plot was almost certainly revenge against Ngāti Tōa for that killing. But Taropiraha can't have known about this, because when he's invited by Tohiriri, a Muopoko rangatira, to visit and check out some waka, he goes, despite Tarangi Hayata's warning. He's so unconcerned that he takes some of his whānau with him, Tamihana says there's just six of them that go to Lake Papaitonga. No warriors, 
No weapons. At Tohiriri's pa, they're entertained with a feast of eels. Taraupara still thinks there's nothing to worry about. I think the the type of kaupapa that was put on, you know, in terms of the welcome, you know, would have been quite overwhelming. And he would have no inclination to get to fight. This is good. This is lovely. Something is off, though. Everything turns to cussed at that event. Taraupara and his whānau sleep in the pa. But just before dawn, Raha has a dream. Moi hoia e patuana ia e tanahua e moi tahira rauga e toheriri. In his dream, his friend Toheriri is attacking him. Taraupara startles awake just as Toheriri is running out of the whare. He hears the thrashing of weapons against his children and they're screaming out for him. They're yelling out, Papa, Papa. And then he then makes a decision because he hears people rushing towards him and sums things up quite quickly. Do I stay behind and die with my children? Or do I make a dash and come back and seek revenge on these people? So he makes a dash. Meanwhile, Te Rauparaha's adult son, Te Rangihongariri, tries to defend his sister, Te Uira. He takes on 20, or maybe 30, warriors. Ka rere tonu atu te tangata rā, ki ngā tangata e rua te kau e patu mai rā i tāna tuahine. Kaore hoki e whakāro ake he ora māna. All he has is a paddle handle as a weapon, the blade broken off. Ka tahi ka fiua te kakau hoi rā, ki te tihi o te toru te kau rā, kua hinga mate raua. Ka tahi, ka rere anō te tangata rā, ki te whiu i te tuarua o aua tangata, kua hinga anō. Te rangiho ngāriri flies at the attackers, killing two of them. But as he goes to take out a third, he's struck by a patu and falls to the ground, dead. Ka tahi anō ka whiua, ki hai ki te ake ia, ka tahi ka mate, ka hinga ki raro. By the morning, three of Te Rauparaha's children are dead. Te Uira, Te Rangihangariri, and Puaka. And what of Te Rauparaha, who chooses to run rather than stay and fight? He knew that he represented something bigger than himself. He represented the mana of Ngāti Toa. It would have been a disaster for the iwi if he were to be killed at this point. If he stayed and died, would we even know his name today? Would we still be talking about him? Of course, it's this event that turns Te Rauparaha against Muaipoko. And that's where the mood changed for Tor. Who does that? Tor made a decision where you go back into, into war mode. Raha stumbles back to Ngāti Tor's camp, naked and in shock. He tells his men to get ready for war. Tairawa, ko etahi anake o ngā tūpāpaku e takoto ana. Ko riro etahi taha, ko ngā hope, me etahi o ngā peke e takoto ana. They head back to Papai Tonga. 
There they find the remains of Taroparaha's children. But Muopoku have gone to another pa, which was on a little island in Lake Porofenua. The ducks give Muopoku the heads up that Ngāti Toa are swimming and paddling their way over, but there isn't enough time for them to get away. Tommy Hunter says they killed 340 Muopoku in this battle, and the rest of them flee into the forest. The peace between Ngāti Toa and Ngāti Upper, to picking a Zewi, breaks down at this point. There are more battles and it gets pretty hot for Ngāti Toa. They end up retreating to Kapiti Island out of necessity. It was the only place they'd be safe from the iwi on the mainland. And year to year, Taroparaha continues to take utu against Muaupoko. Ka mahi a pēnā tia, tōnu tia a Muaupoko i ngā toukatoa, a ka ngaro haere te patu e Taroparaha. Tamihana says that so many Muopoko are killed that they are almost wiped out by Taroparaha. He would go back and impose his will on them, season after season. It was just relentless. He, he was just relentless. The attacks against Muopoko only ended when the Ngāti Raukawa chief Te Whatanui intervened and gave them his protection. Ngāti Torwood maintained for many years that Muopoko were a defeated people. Muaupoko are still having to prove that they stayed in Horofenua, that their ahika never went out in the area, so that their customary rights over the land, lakes and streams are recognised. In the next episode, Moving to Kapiti Island proves to be a wise move. So from a high level, yep, strategically a good spot. We follow the Ariki to Pehi on his voyage to England to get more guns. The captain had fallen overboard and the Pehi just jumped in and swam out and saved his life. And Taroparaha and Ngāti Toa fight the biggest force they've ever faced. If we let those type of numbers get on land, we're history. The odds were wildly against them. This series was made possible with funding from Manutu Taonga, Ministry for Culture and Heritage. It was researched, co-written and hosted by me, Ross Kalman. Kirsten Johnstone from Popsock Media produced, edited and sound designed the series. Music is by Mukultron, Ariana Tikau, Alistair Fraser and Phil Boniface. Tor Waka is the voice of Tamihana. Melody Thomas of Popsock Media was our script advisor. Imogene Kelly from Manatu Taonga provided production support and historical checks. I'm grateful to all of our kaikōrero who have so generously shared their knowledge, their wisdom and their compassion. Dene te mihi aroha kia koutou katoa. Tepo,
Kiwiya wini wini kiwiya wana wana harea tu te hau kino te hau huna te hau kai taua He toka tumoana haramai te toki haumie huie tāhi kie